0: Welcome to the Live Well podcast hosted by the Healthy Campus Team of Wellness Services. My name is Liv Taylor and my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a fourth year general science student here at MRU. I am also a senior lead peer health educator with the Healthy Campus Team. The Live Well podcast is a series focused on the voices and experiences of our students, staff, and faculty here at MRU. We intend this series to be conversation-based, informal, and all about the experiences and insights of our Mount Royal community. I am joined today by Dion Simon and Delbert Major to discuss indigenization and health at Mount Royal. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Before we start, I'd like to do a land acknowledgement that we are recording this podcast today at Mount Royal University, which is located on and adjacent to lands that encompass the hereditary territories of the Blackfoot, the Stony Nakoda, and the Tsutena nations. We acknowledge that we are hosted in this ancient place by these people and by the Métis Nation. We breathe the air and drink the water that is theirs. We value the land and the beings that are part of their ancestral world. We pledge to do our work in a way that is respectful of their traditions. So with that being said, Delbert and Dion, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves, your pronouns and your majors or your affiliations to get us started, and Dion, we can start with you.
1: Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Dion Simon, and I'm originally from Ermanskin from Muskegee's Treaty 6 territory, and a member of, of the nation, Plains Cree Nation. And uh, I've been a guest on the lands of Natsitope for the last two decades, and I run the uh, Medicine Trail Coordinator uh, pro- program out of the Inescombe Center for the last 12 years.
0: Thank you so much. And Delbert, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself as well.
2: Thank you for having me on the podcast. My name is Delbert Major. I'm part Métis on my dad's side. Delbert, uh, Delbert Major, we both have the same name, He's a professor here originate from Fort Capella Valley, Batosh near that area. And I'm on my mom's side, I'm part of El Salvadorian, so I'm a mix of, you know, two cultures, which is kind of pretty sweet.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And, and uh, what program are you in, Delbert?
2: I'm in physical literacy. I'm in my third year. And I'm looking to become a coach, personal trainer, to train young Indigenous youth in the sport of hockey specifically.
0: Awesome. Thank you both so much again for being here today. So our focus during this podcast is really to help educate our listeners about the Indigenous student experience at Mount Royal University and hopefully to raise awareness for areas of improvement at Mount Royal. So to start, I think it is important for us to provide our listeners with some foundational knowledge to preface our upcoming discussion. So I'd like to ask you, Dion, can you tell us about the Indigenous experience or about some core concepts which govern Indigenous ways of life and practices?
1: Well, I've been, uh, I've been here, well, being here for 12 years here in the Niscom, I've witnessed and I've noticed that a lot of uh, Indigenous students... Our first or second generation graduates here at Mount Royal University, uh, a lot of the students that we do have here on campus are invited to attend through family members, through, through relatives, through, uh, through friends that they know. Uh, they hear of um, their experience at Mount Royal. And so a lot of our st- students today do become students of, of the university taking on various courses. And we have at the moment about seventy six percent of indigenous students being outside Mount Royal uh, being outside the province, and about twenty six percent within uh, within Mount Royal within the territory, my apologies. but the experience that i've I've seen here on Mount Royal campus is the opportunities for indigenous students to be recognized. Uh, a lot of the students feel that they can take part in uh, and cultural social events be a part of their traditions and as well in the last several years have seen a reflection of themselves here on campus, whether it's a ceremony, whether it's a cultural event, uh, whether it's songs or stories being shared on campus. So uh, a, a lot of the students feel comfortable here at Mount University.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. I think that that context is important for our upcoming discussion throughout the podcast. And alongside that, I also wanted to share some NCHA statistics that we have for Indigenous students at MRU. So 50% of MRU Indigenous students received psychological or mental health services within the last 12 months compared to the general MRU population at 31.7%. 11.3% of MRU Indigenous students said that discrimination negatively impacted their academics, compared to the general MRU population at 4.5%. So with these statistics in mind, Delbert, can you tell us about the experience you've had as an Indigenous student at MRU, and maybe some ways that MRU does or doesn't support your health or mental health?
2: Well, being here for a couple of years now at the University of MRU, most of my experience have been positive as, you know, we, I have the Niscombe Centre accessible to me and for all the rest of the Indigenous students. And I find that that's something I never had in my previous years of schooling throughout elementary and high school. And Niscombe has kind of been my safe haven for like since day one you know I got to meet so many people that's how I met Dion that's how I met uh, Marija and they helped me out a lot through schooling with funding you know with like life problems whatnot. and so I learned a lot from from Dion too like you know getting more involved with the community Uh, this year Dion actually uh, created men's group which I found like really helpful. Niscombe also kind of made me be able to like create a lot of social connections and it's like a second home. It's like a family there. So there's a lot of things that that I love about, you know, NISCOM Centre that MRU has, you know, provided. Although there's a lot of Indigenous students, I would like to see maybe more room given uh, or more of an expansion to Niscombe because it can get crowded. So more of like, you know, social and studying space and maybe more space to smudge and whatnot. And uh, with the psychological needs, as you mentioned, of uh, indigenous indigenous students receiving, like as myself, indigenous student as myself, I did have to kind of like use that like a lot due to like, you know, a lot of stress, you know, through university because a lot of us, you know, struggle with a lot of finances as well, especially for school, because, you know, school is really expensive, right? Not only for me, but also, you know, looking at young Indigenous mothers who have, like, maybe three kids, you know, that's a lot of, like, a lot of money they'll need to take care of. And, you know, having to do school, full-time work and whatnot is a tough thing to do. And I would probably also, like, see, like, more Housing for Indigenous families. Although it's a good thing to have housing, I do feel like the need for housing is greater than what we have. There has to be more housing to, like, fit more people, and especially in the MRU area. In terms of uh, discrimination, I already talked about the good, but the negative part about it is, for me, being Métis, I kind of was, like, discriminated against, called, you know, racial slurs to the point where I lost my self-esteem, self-confidence. And so because of that, I wouldn't really say anything about myself being Métis exactly. I'd usually just like, you know, then identify myself as only Latino because I found like being Latino would seem to get less, like, I don't know, discriminated against compared to being Métis. And I felt like I was more accepted in that way. But over the years, you know, being more connected, you know, coming to MRU, coming, like, getting more in touch with, you know, um, Friendship Centre here in Calgary. And, you know, with Dion and all the elders that I've met, I became, I kind of regained my self-confidence in being proud of being Indigenous students in person, myself. And, you know, just playing up sports is a huge thing for me because that's, you know, I've been playing hockey, 15 years and I've been playing at native provincials in Edmonton and you know March Madness out in Siksika and the connections I made there with like indigenous hockey players is amazing because you know you learn it's just that it's just the atmosphere that you feel comfortable and then I feel included I feel stronger in in myself as a person and then over the years I became you know more self-confident and then I finally was like well I don't you know, came to a point where like, I don't care what people have to say about me, you know, or if they discriminate. I'm proud of being an Indigenous student and hockey player, you know, Indigenous athlete. So, you know, with my goal, I just want to like do the same for other upcoming Indigenous students to be active, you know what, because being active as well, it could increase your self-esteem, you know, and it's a great way to keep a healthy life because without sports, you know, a lot of discrimination could lead to, like, unhealthy coping mechanisms, which I've seen a lot, and that's one of my goals, is that I would like to, you know, I'd see on my dad's and my dad's side of the family of, like, where this could lead to a lot of unhealthy coping mechanisms. It's sad, but one of my goals in my life is to stop that generational trauma, teaching young Indigenous youth have a sense of who they are, to be proud of who they are. And so we could teach other generations on top of other generations and then be strong too. And with, you know, sports, that would be a great way to do it, especially, you know, hockey being a team environment and whatnot. So yeah, that's a one thing that I would like to hopefully accomplish in the future and also hockey and sports can be expensive. So creating a funding program, you know, for Indigenous youth and students to participate.
0: Yeah, no, and and thank you for sharing that. I feel like what I'm getting from what you're saying is that the NISCOM Center really is the the central hub at MRU for Indigenous students, for, for them to go to for academic support, financial support, emotional support, and that's amazing that we have that. But like you said... It isn't necessarily enough. There are more Indigenous students than we maybe have the capacity to help solely within the NISCOM Centre. So I think that's really important moving forward. And I know that in our meeting before the podcast, Dion, you and I had talked a bit about some procedures that are available to Indigenous students at MRU, one of them being uh, smudging. And I wasn't personally aware that this was a service that was offered at our school. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what smudging is, when it might be used, and the process for requesting a smudge at MRU.
1: The majority of our students, when they do come into Mount Royal University, uh, they're coming in from very diverse backgrounds, from remote communities. And a lot of students are coming into the city for the first time, uh, learning this way of life, coming into the university may, may have its stresses, may have its problems, may have its uh, barriers. And along that way, a lot of the students find connection, they, they find grounding within the practice of SMUDGE. And SMUDGE has been available from since the time I've been here uh, for the last 12 years. Uh, however, it's expanded outside the INISCOM Center. And SMUDGE is what we identify as, it's an indigenous practice. Uh, that practice may be First Nations. It may be Métis, and on some level, uh, on an Inuit level, uh, and so they, they, they define smudge in, in, by different means. However, in this case, with First Nations and Métis, we identify a smudge by the burning of medicines, a burning of herbs and incense, and this would help alleviate the pressures and the stresses, the illnesses uh, that students may be experiencing. However, spiritual fatigue emotional fatigue. Uh, but smudge is used just to cleanse the mind, to, to cleanse the emotions, just to feel a little bit more calmer within within oneself as they go about their day here on campus.
0: Okay, yeah. So within MRU, if you're wanting to request a smudge, if you're feeling maybe some of this spiritual tension or fatigue that you're talking about, how does one go about actually requesting it to be done?
1: Well, there are a couple of ways. One way that we identify working really well is uh, students that are attending the Aniskam Centre, students who are with the Aniskam Centre through the Indigenous University Bridging Program, they have access to smudge. And we do have a room available within the Aniskam Centre where students can come and smudge whenever they feel they need to. And um, they can access the room at any time of the day. However, there are on occasion when students are needing to do a smudge within a classroom. Uh, maybe there might be a heavy topic. Maybe they might be going into a heavy issue. And so there is a request for smudge. Students would need to get this approval done by their instructors. And their instructors then would need to put in a request for smudge for their classroom. Within that request... Uh, This would go either to a frontline or to a security or to uh, someone else who can approve of smudge. This would involve details such as the time, uh, the place, and the amount of smudge that would be burned. And not so much the occasion, but just uh, some of the details.
0: Okay, yeah, thank you so much for for telling us about that. I know that for me, I had no idea that this was an opportunity for Indigenous students at MRU, so I think it's really important that we try to clarify how Indigenous students can access that process. And I know, Delbert, we talked about how you hadn't specifically requested a smudge at MRU before, but I was wondering if maybe you've ever felt the need to request one, or is there any reasons that you haven't requested a smudge to be done at
2: MRU? No, from my experience, I didn't really, not yet felt the need to ask for a request to smudge. I usually, like Dion said, there is a room provided in an ISKIM center for students to go individually and smudge themselves, so that's what I've been using myself, but no, I never felt the need to yet ask a uh, request to smudge a classroom.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And can you both please educate me on maybe what is the difference between doing like a self smudge versus doing like a smudge of a space, or does it kind of have the same effect in terms of accomplishing some of that release of spiritual fatigue?
1: Well, on well for individuals, individuals who come into Mount Royal have the knowledge about smudge. They have been given the the teachings on how to use smudge and we have a variety of, of uh, medicines that one would use. And depending on the individual themselves, uh, with that knowledge, they have uh, that, that, that awareness on how to do smudge. And so the burning of medicines, one is shown from their, from their community on how to cleanse themselves. And this is done uh, purely just by them for, you know, just to ground themselves in terms of that well being. For space, for a classroom, then it, uh, it looks at there's a little bit more logistics that are involved. There's a little bit more of a process that's involved. Whereas with a NISCAM, you, one person come into the room and they can light a smudge at any time of the day. Whereas it's a little different if, say, a student wants to light a smudge within a classroom uh, in front of their peers with the instructor. So then that, that takes on a little bit more work. It's a little bit more of a request. Uh, there's a little bit more time involved, and so it's, it's always a little bit more of a process.
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense, of course, with the with the logistics and everything that goes in, especially when there are other individuals involved. But outside of this smudging process and procedure, I know that we talked previously before recording about the lack of educational resources like classes for Indigenous students at MRU. And I'm wondering if either of you can share more about your experience trying to implement these classes or, or attend these classes. And Dion, we can start with you as well.
1: When you come back to to the process of spiritual practices on campus, is that uh, our, our, our students are very diverse. And uh, in our way of life, we want to connect with our, our spirituality and those spiritual practice. And so looking at ways that are, are very adaptive, ways that, that can be implemented and adopted by through Mount Royal on how students could uh, have access to smudge and how that, those requests can come in and that uh, a smudge can be followed through without a lot of barriers. And so right now, currently we're working on ways so that it's a little bit more easier for instructors and students. Along with that, in terms of in terms of courses, another another area that we see that students have expressed uh, the concept and the the idea of having a language a Blackfoot language speaking course on campus. This course, um, because we're on Treaty Seven lands, and the majority over the years of students that we've had are dominantly Blackfoot, I, it would only make sense to have a Blackfoot speaking course accredited speaking course. And uh, that has been now in um, talks for the last several years. And then looking at how do we get a course like this going? How do we have it moving and implemented in Mount Royal?
0: Yeah, no. And I know we, we had talked about this previously too with regards to the Blackfoot language course, but are there any other universities that are teaching this course? And, and if so, why why are there so many barriers in terms of implementing the course? Why aren't we able to do so?
1: I, um, I couldn't say at this point which universities have a full credited Blackfoot speaking course, uh, what that looks like at the moment. And uh, I, I could say that at this point that Mount Royal University could benefit uh, from having a course like this as though there's been an expression from a lot of interest, not only from uh, Indigenous students, but from non-Indigenous students as well.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's really, it's not necessarily just for Indigenous students, it's really for like a shared way of, of learning these cultural practices and this language. And I think that's incredibly important. And in addition to that, I know we were talking about the Aniskim Centre earlier and, and how transformative that's been for you, Delbert. But I was wondering if outside of the Aniskim Centre or expanding it, do you think that there are any resources that are missing for Indigenous students at MRU?
2: Going back on like what I was saying, it would be nice to have an expansion on what we already have. Like it would be nice to have a bigger space and whatnot. And for me uh, personally, I've not really run into so many issues of lack of resources. Kind of like I have my dad who supports me on knowing my culture or or whatnot. I'm lucky to have Dion to go to to help me and same with Maria to help me with, you know, funding or or whatnot, and also Dion's wife, who works at the wellness center as well with mental health services there. So I've been utilizing all those resources, and I've really not yet come to a, a place where I'm kind of, like, stuck and not have any resources, really. But I, if there's one that I should speak on is, I guess... For me, being a physical literacy student, the tutors, we have, like, you know, tutors of writing and math, but for me to be in physical literacy, I feel like it would be nice to have more tutors that are more specialized in, you know, the HPED program yeah. with, like, biology or chemistry or whatnot. It, w- it would be nice to have that.
0: No, that's awesome, and, and thank you for sharing that. I, I appreciate your insight, and I think that if we don't necessarily have like a total overarching lack of resources or overall Indigenous students might feel supported, how then can non-Indigenous students learn more about Indigenous culture? And also, how can we help raise awareness about these needs? Is there anywhere that we can go to? Maybe the INISCOM Centre?
1: There are several places. Aniskum um, Centre is a good place to start for non-Indigenous students to learn about Indigenous culture. Just coming and sitting and visiting uh, is good. Even just sitting with members. And uh, most material on the websites are pretty current by authentic First Nations, Métis, Inuit people. And so going on the website and, and, and learning, but uh, the best way is coming into community, going into the community, being a part of those, uh, those celebrations, those events, and those gatherings.
2: With that, going um, on, speaking of, on, following up with Dion, with um, how non-Indigenous students could learn. Although, you know, on Main Street, we have booths, right? of, you know, indigenous practices and culture. Like, although we have a booth, that's one way to start, but there's a lot of, you know, there's some people that may pass it, you know, that's trying to get to another class and most people would just take a quick look, right? So that's a good way to start, but it doesn't really get people to like have an understanding of our culture, right? Because what I've found as as a student at MRU is every, and especially HPED from all the classes I took, that every single class that you take, there's always a project or an assignment that each individual student has to do to learn about indigenous practices and ways of life. You know, for me, like for example, I was taking uh, health and nutrition this semester, and we had to learn about the indigenous ways of, you know, eating and practicing a healthy diet and also the famine they had to go through due to like, you know, settlers coming into land and you know why they went from a healthy to like diet to like a very, you know, unhealthy diet with a lack of like, you know, nutrition on the plate. So like s- simple like projects like that is, a, uh, and it's worth marks too it's mandatory. So it's a really good way I f- found that the school implemented, on non-Indigenous students to learn about the Indigenous culture's ways and beliefs.
0: Yeah, no, and and that's really good to hear as well. I'm I'm grateful for both of you sharing these ways. I know for myself as a non-Indigenous student, I tend to feel a sense of urgency. If I see a problem, I'm like, well, how can I fix it? But from what you guys are saying, it's really less about trying to fix it and, and slowing down and trying to care and trying to put in the time to come and sit down with Indigenous students and, and faculty and, and learn more about your ways of life and your culture because it's central really to everything that we do here at MRU. Special thank you to Dion Simon and Delbert Major for joining us today for our discussion on indigenization and health. The Live Well podcast is run by the Healthy Campus team at Mount Royal University. You can find us online at livewell.buzzsprout.com. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you can get your podcasts. Thanks to artist Scott Holmes for our theme. The song is called Feeling Sunny. You've been listening to the Live Well podcast. I'm your host, Liv Taylor. Thank you for tuning in.